Well, hey, uh, my name's Paul. I haven't said it before. Um, we're just really excited about what God's doing. There's so many things going on in church. I'm like, how are we gonna announce it all? So, uh, but I appreciate you guys hanging in there. The baptisms are beautiful, aren't they? It's beautiful. And, um, and this is a sign of what's to come. This is gonna be a normal thing for us, not because we want it to be, but because I believe that the harvest is ripe. And the urgency in my spirit is to get us ready. Not for you to bring everyone here so they can hear my beautiful voice. It's to get us ready. I knew a farmer in Washington State, he helped me with an evangelistic crusade. He's the largest farmer in Washington State. Godly man, Christian man. And he told me this story. He said, you know, he, harvests, he, he farms wheat. Maybe he's the largest wheat farmer, I don't know. But <clears throat> he said, you know how I know when wheat is ready to be harvested? It's that the seeds on the wheat become so heavy that it bows its head. That's how you know. And the reality is, I'm seeing bowed heads out in the world. And I'm like, let's get the harvesters. Let's get the laborers who are gonna go out of the church and bring in the harvest. Because there's people who wanna know Jesus, they just don't know it yet. And they'll never walk in these doors. But he's the best person you could ever meet. He's the best God you could ever serve. He's so good. And when you truly experience his liberty and freedom, when you experience this transformation that we talk about, man, how, do you, how can you keep him quiet? And... Um, and so we're gonna talk about that. We've been talking about um, bringing people to evangelism and bringing people, not, not where we uh, accost people on the streets, although that can, that can work sometimes, but the best way to evangelize, I believe, is, is um, uh, actually inviting people into your home through people you know, talking to them, asking them questions like, how are you doing? What's going on in your life? How's that working out for you? Can I pray with you? This is um, a, a, a thing that, that, that I believe represents a call, a mantle that it, our church will be taking on. And um, side note, I just wanna say something. Hi, Kenneth Armstrong, I love you. I've been praying for you. And I know you're streaming us right now. And our family loves you. And uh, Kenneth uh, just has a, a little stint in the hospital, but we know God's restoring his body through prayer, through the medical team, whatever works, God, we just say thank you and amen. Thank you and amen for his healing. All right. So I wanna talk about evangelism in loving your neighbor. If we look at Mark 12, 28 through 31, it says this. And one of the scribes, came up and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he answered and seeing that he answered them well asked him which commandment is the most important of all and Jesus answered the most important is hear o israel the lord our god the lord is one and you shall love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength and the second is this you shall love your neighbor as yourself there is no other commandment greater than these. Whoa. There's a bunch of other commandments after, 
And then there's 600 commandments, over 600 in, and I believe it's Leviticus that, that kind of shows even more of the old covenant laws. But when Jesus is talking, he, he surmises everything into these two. If you love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, the first thing is to love God. When you understand, when you love God, you start to actually understand how much he loves you. And this is so key. I think that a lot of times we don't love our neighbor as ourselves is because we don't love ourselves. And because we don't love ourselves means that we actually haven't been in relationship with God because when you become in true relationship, true authentic relationship, where you understand that he loves you, he has a plan for you, he created you, you have a purpose, you have a value, then you, you, you experience this love and you're like, man, I'm gonna love my neighbor and I'm gonna love them just the way that God loves me. This is the commandments that Jesus said are the greatest. So I love to focus on them. You know, I, I will always fall short in loving God with all my heart, all my soul, all my strength, uh, every second of every day. You know, it's not, it's, I mean, the first commandment is like the one that, that makes you automatically sinful. Because you're like, man, I can't do that. That's hard. I don't even know how to do that. And that's why we need his grace. That's why his redemption is there for us. That's why we can enter into the kingdom because of what Christ did. He said, look, those sins that you, you can't hold up to that standard that was given in the Old Testament, but I've now come down, fully God, fully man, born incarnate, and I'm living a sinless life and dying on a cross to make an atonement, to make a, 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 an atoning sacrifice for your sins that you can actually be forgiven of even the greatest commandments. It's amazing. But the more we understand how much God loves us, how much he cares for us, the more we actually will, um, the, the more we actually want to follow him and the more we stay in communion with him, which makes us reach out to our, our, our neighbors. Um, now listen, God shows you your value because you cannot understand your value by yourself. You see, nothing has value in and of itself. Nothing does. It only has value when an outside source loves it. What do I mean by that? Well, if we, if we go in earthly terms, what has value is what people want it for, right? So there can be something that doesn't have any value to me, like let's say an empty box. I have five children, for those, those of you who don't know, seven and under. I have two older ones, but I have five that are seven and under. And an empty box has no value to me. It doesn't have any value to my wife. She puts them all in a stack in the corner, and then I have to break them down and put them in the recycling bin, because for some reason she doesn't know how to do that. And, but for some reason it's just been assigned that way. Um, but, but my... My, my little children, they will play with that value, that box. They will find that value. It's because they love that box that that box has value, right? Like we, we, we know if, if, you, if, you buy, uh, if you buy a product, if you buy a ring, you might, you, it would have a cost associated with it and, and that cost will change based on supply and demand. How much do people want it? How much do they love it, right? And so what happens is, is that when you try to apply value to yourself without understanding how much God really loves you, you really won't understand your value. You're gonna undermine your value. You're gonna sell yourself out. 
you're gonna think that your value isn't good enough. And the, the main objective of the enemy is to actually devalue who you are so that you will sell yourself short. Why? Because he will give you lies to ascribe value that you believe you have. You ever see like bargain hunters or they have um, uh, pawn stores with, video, with uh, TV shows or they have like people who are like really good at negotiating or um, I, one of the famous ones is like they go to old people's garages and they find these like authentic antique things but the owner doesn't really know how much value it has. And so what the person who's bargaining is like gonna try to get this off their hands for less than it's worth. And so they'll find other reasons why they want it. They're like, oh, that's an interesting piece. You know, I just, you know, it's not like too beautiful or anything, but you know, maybe, um, maybe if I shine it up a little bit or I can, you know, walk away for like, you know, $10. And really, the person will negotiate, maybe they'll sell it for 20 and they think, wow, I got double what that person was offering me for. But the person buying it is like, I'm gonna sell this for $1,000. And what the enemy tries to do is he tries to get you to sell yourself short of what you're worth. And the only reason why you would do that is because you don't really understand your value that the Father has for you. Because he loves you. He created you. He actually put value on you. You can't ascribe it to yourself. I know it sounds mean to say that, to say, I'm valuable. I'm, and yes, you are, but you are because God said you were. I am because God said I am. I love my children. And they know that I love them, and so they find that they're valuable. And so oftentimes, we don't understand our value, and so we cut ourselves short. And I wanna break that off of the stronghold of believers. And then I want to break it off the stronghold of unbelievers in Christ Jesus. Because once you understand your value, you'll be able to go and show them their value. And you will see them as a lost brother, a lost sister, a lost son, a lost daughter. Which cues the next story I'm about to tell you. I'm about to tell you a story that is like one of the best stories uh, that I think is in the Bible. I love it, and Jesus is the one who told it. So, I mean, if he liked it enough to tell it, I, I think it's really valuable. And that's the story that often is called the prodigal son. Have you ever heard of this story before? It's just so good. Now, Jesus is talking about two sons, but you know what? It's two children, too. So, you know, it, it don't don't you know, think, oh, this is only for the boys, okay? Jesus is talking about this in the context of everyone. So I'm gonna read the first few verses and we'll stop a little bit. It says, uh, uh, Luke 15, verse 11, and he said, there was a man who had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Now, first of all, let's just stop for a second. This father had two sons and one of the sons was so ignorant and arrogant and lost, even though he was living in his father's house, that he actually goes up to his father and says, Dad, I know you're not dead yet, but I wish you would be so I could have my inheritance. Now listen, anybody who knows anything about inheritance, it's not yours until the person passes on to the next life and then you get what they have for you. But it's not yours 
in that moment. But this son, in his arrogance, says, Dad, I want it now. I don't want to wait. I want to be the, my own master. I want to be living on my own. And I want to kind of identify here. This son wasn't like, he was in his father's house. It wasn't like we're talking about someone who was lost in the world. Jesus is talking about it in the context of two sons in the father's house. Okay? All right. And then, um, not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a, a journey into a far country. And he squandered his proper, property in reckless living. And he had spent everything, and a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went to the hired, he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. Now, this would be like appalling to Jews because if you're not familiar with the Jewish uh, religion, they don't eat pigs. Pigs are um, uh, unfor- they're, they're a forbidden uh, uh, animal. Uh, you don't associate with them. You don't eat with them. And here he's preparing pigs that are going to be eaten. And so, uh, and, and not only that, if, um, if you've ever been on a farm, whether you like pigs or not, they are gross. Okay? They smell, and the things that they eat and the things that they produce smells. It's hard to get out. So here he is in this horrible situation in verse 16. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. He's finally hit the bottom of the bottom. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will rise, go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. All of a sudden, this young man has what we call repentance. In the Greek, it's called metanoia. It's, it's, he started to change the way he thought because how he was thinking was giving him ending up with the pigs. And he arose and he came to his father, but while he was still a way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. So now the father whose son wished he were dead and gave half of everything was waiting and waiting and waiting for his son. You know this because of the way he responded when he saw his son. When he saw his child, he, he, he said, I'm not waiting for my child to come to me. I am going to run after him. And this is what we call pre-convenient grace and free will, smashing each other. The father is saying, I love you no matter what you've done. You cannot, lose, you cannot stop being my child. No matter what you've done, you will always be my child. And so there's this grace that's been afforded to him. And he, in his own free will, says, I need that grace. So Jesus uh, talks about the father running out and embracing him and kissing him. And he said to him, this is his repentance coming out. Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer to be called your son. And And his father just ignored him and said, bring quickly the best robe put it on him and put a ring on his head, hand and, and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For my, this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found 
and they began to celebrate. This is such a beautiful story because it speaks of the redemption of our Father. It speaks of the redemption that's possible through Jesus Christ. We find ourselves living our own life, living our own ways, thinking that we are smarter than our own Father, our Heavenly Father. And so we go off in the country land, we go and squander all that we had. We, 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 um, in, our, in our lack of understanding of the love of the Father for us, we actually spend and devalue who we really are. Because we don't understand our value. This son didn't understand his value. He didn't understand it so much that he thought he could lose his sonship. Listen, when it comes to God, you will never stop being his son. And there's nothing you can do to make him love you more. There's nothing you can do to make him love you less. He actually loves you that much. He cares for you that much. And he wants to bring you back into his house. Now his older son, we'll go to verse 25. I know we're reading like 22 verses. I'm sorry, not sorry. That's a good story. Now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother's come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he's received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I've served you, I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you've never given me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him? And he said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. Now here's something that's interesting. The oldest son never realized how much he had in his father's house. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this brother, your brother, was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. What, what I want to highlight in this, in this story is obviously this prodigal. Now, prodigal means like extravagant spending, wasteful uh, extravagance on someone. So sometimes I think this story should be called the prodigal father. Right? Spent half his inheritance, and then when the kid comes back, gives him a ring, a robe, shoes, and a fattened calf. That's pretty prodigal. But it's both. It's prodigal father and son because the son did wastefully spend. And um, I want to talk about the older brother here for a second because I think that what was so tragic about this story is that the older brother never went and sought out the younger brother. See, the older brother was so content staying in his father's house, not caring that his older brother is wasting his life away. And so what's not being shared here is actually what the brother didn't do. It really brings, it really brings a, a clarity here that the older brother 
not only was um, bitter towards his younger brother, but he didn't believe his younger brother deserved to be taken back. And sometimes I think I sit in this church and I know brothers and sisters and sons and daughters who God would just say, would you go and get them? But I'm just too content in my father's house. I think the Lord wants to bring conviction for those who've been afar and wanna come back. It's never too late to come back. There's nothing you've done too much to come back. He wants you, he loves you, he's willing to accept you. Open arms, no questions asked, debts paid. There's ro- you are royalty, you are, you're a child of God, so guess what, you're royalty. And there's a ring and a robe and some new shoes for you to walk in, a full transformation of your life. But in addition to that, there's many prodigals out there that are waiting for us to come, being sent by the Father to bring them back to the house. I was, um, many of you know my story, I was, uh, I was saved in a bar. I was, I, I was re-saved in a bar. God, God sent somebody to me to prophesy over my life, to tell me how much God loved me. And um, I was at a low point in my life. I was like eating with the pigs and it wasn't satisfying. And so um, I'm on this journey. I give my life back to God and just say, God, I, 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 I give my life to you. And then I kind of pan over the rest of the years. I haven't shared those yet, but I... Um, I end up later uh, giving, giving my, I gave my life to the Lord, but I was still working out my sanctification. My journey with God went like this. God, I love you, I love you. This is a really hard time in my life and I'm starting to sin again and, and live my old ways. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgive, forgive me. It was, like, it was like this. And the only way that got me through it wasn't just coming to church on Sunday and reading my Bible, it was through somebody holding me by the hand, a brother, who said, Paul, yep, things like this are gonna happen, but God's still waiting for you. He still has you. We're gonna pray through this together. And through friendship, mentorship, and discipleship, all these things started to break off in my life. But it didn't go like this, like a a rocket. It was like the stock market with a couple crashes And when it crashes, you know, you're like, sell, sell, sell. But your good friends will say, hold on, just just hang tight. Don't sell it all right now because it will get back. It will get better. That's what discipleship looks like. So I was going through my journey. Yeah, I gave my life back to God. I would go to church sometimes. I was starting to read my Bible. And then hardship would come, and I'd start going down. And I had, see, I had this lie that the enemy told me that God could never use me again and that I would never be of any value again. Like, I just got in. You know, like, I just, by the skin of my teeth, he's like, yep, I'll forgive you, but now just, that's as good as it's gonna get for you. Like, I got my ticket into heaven and was just waiting for it, for my time. That's how I was viewing it. And my buddy, he came out to see me and he said, um, 
He said, hey, can I get a cup of coffee with you? I don't know why coffee spots are like the time for Christian dating and counseling and discipleship, but it just is. And um, just an easy way to connect. And so we, we, uh, he connects with me and he starts telling me what God's doing in his life. He starts telling me about this missions trip. He's gonna go on to Africa. And, you know, I'm like, my heart's getting stirred. And I'm going, man, I wish... I wish one day I could do that, maybe. And, um, and I had this party money that I had set aside. I know, I'm a strategic person, and so I actually strategized my party money when I was, when I was in the world, and I still had like a few thousand dollars left of it. And um, I said, how much is, is that trip? And he told me, and it was like almost the exact amount of my party money. So I said, well... Could I go? I, I, I won't speak or anything. I won't share anything. Maybe I can just go and clear my head and kind of get alone with God. And, and Africa seems like a great, and I, and I could serve someone. And, 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 and he said, Paul, of course you can come. It was like when I went to Africa, I just went to, you know, I went low. I was just like, I, I didn't think of anything. I thought very low of myself because I just didn't think God could really do anything in my life. And um, my friend who was leading this trip, he came to me and said, Paul, um, in the beginning of the trip, he said, we're having some trouble here. The village that is hosting us is too small to host our team. We have to break them up into two teams. And he said, would you, um, he said, I'm gonna take a team to another village. Would you stay with the missionaries here with this team? And I said, uh, okay, but I'm not gonna do any ministry or anything. I don't know. You, know, you know my life, man. You know what I've been through. You know what I, God just brought me out of. He's like, yeah, 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 it's, it's fine, it's fine. I said, don't ask me to share or don't ask me to pray for anybody because I don't, you know, I don't think, I didn't even think I was worthy of it. He's like, oh, don't worry. I just, you're the oldest of like, we brought these college kids and he's like, so it's just, you've been overseas before. I just want you to be able to navigate some stuff. So I said, okay, I'll do that. And he slow played me so bad. <laughs> before, our vill- before our team splits to, to our stay in that village and for them to go, he said, Paul, I talked to all the college students. None of them want to share. And the missionaries want one of you guys to share. And so would you be able to share? I said, man, I don't even know how to do a sermon. I don't, and, and they're going to be mad. Like, don't be upset at me if, if you have me share. I can't share. He's like, well, just say something. Just read a verse. I said, I don't know, man. And he said, it, it'll be okay. And so I go and, um, and I, I get kind of like, a, I write a verse down. And, and I said, God, it's not about me. These aren't my people, they're your people. And uh, the missionary came up to me, she, she had been there for years, and she said, I just want you to know, this is like the hardest church ever. We've been here for years, we haven't seen any growth. These people are like stone-faced, and they, they're hard hearts, they ancestral worship uh, the night before. They're, they're not true, you know, they're, they're coming to church because of the things we provide. I was like, oh great, it's great. Nothing to lose then, really. So I, I start preaching about um, just sharing a verse about Moses and, and the craziest thing happened to me and I, don't, I can't explain it. Maybe it was just psychological or maybe it was supernatural, but it was like all of a sudden the Lord took over 
my voice. And I started preaching things I did not prepare. And I started saying things that I had no understanding of. And it was like I was looking outside my body. I know that sounds weird. I'm not saying, I'm not into astral projection or any of that stuff. That's weird. Don't take this video clip and say I'm a heretic. Um, I'm just telling you how it seemed. And I remember looking out into the crowd and these men and women are crying in their seats and falling on the floor and run to the altar. And I said, I think God's here. <laughs> and it was so powerful. And the first thing, you know, I had no background in praying for the sick or anything like that. And I just said, well, if God's here, let's go to the, let's go to the wards in the hospitals and just start praying. And so they took us to a tuberculosis ward, tuberculosis ward. And uh, we just prayed. And I didn't know, I, you know, I, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just like, God, would you heal them, you know? And his grace was there for us. And I don't know if they got healed or not. We only went there one time. But it was then I realized, God, you don't want to just make sure I get into heaven. But you actually love me enough and see value in me. And you want to use me. And you know what? I'm not special. He wants to do it for all of you. And he wants his lost sons and daughters, his lost children back in his father's house. Now, God is God. He's infinitely wise. He's infinitely, you know, he's, he has, he's omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. It means he's all-knowing. He's everywhere. He's all-powerful. So he doesn't really need us but he chooses to use us. And because he's perfect, I'm not going to compete with his perfect plan. I'll accept it. And that perfect plan is to raise up harvesters, people like you and I, brothers and sisters who are already in the house, to go in and reach those who are lost. I'm so thankful my friend, who's a few years older than me, reached out to me and said, come on, Paul, your journey's not over, it's just beginning. That's how it's gonna happen. And um, I know baptisms are gonna be a normal thing. They're gonna be, I was lost, I only know what I didn't know, I only knew what I knew, but then someone shared God's light with me. A brother, a sister showed me. I, I've been listening to different testimonies of new believers, people who've just come to the Lord. You know, you can find them on YouTube. Their testimonies are so amazing. Some are just like, my friend challenged me to read the Bible and I told him, uh, you know, cause he, he loves reading. And he's like, have you ever read the Bible? He's like, no. He's like, I don't believe in God. He goes, okay, just read the Bible. The guy read the Bible five times and in the end, he gave his life to God. All it took was an older brother saying, hey man, you're living like with the pigs. Have you ever tried God? No, I don't believe in God. Have you ever read his, the Bible? I've heard things about it. Why don't you read it and then come back to me and tell me? It took that, and that was that simple. It doesn't need to be brain surgery or rocket science. God can use anything and anybody, 
And when he uses people like us, people who are broken, people who don't know everything, he gets all the glory. It's not about you, it's not about me, it's about him. It's about reaching out to our neighbors. Who's our neighbor? Anyone we come in contact with, anyone we know that's not living in our house. I want us to be the older brother, the older sister, who runs after our younger siblings and tells them how much they're, they're being missed and how much we're missing them, how much they're missing as well. And so um, I want it to, I, I, there's this song, and this is like, we're, we're ending, okay? We're ending, I promise we're ending. And there's this one song um, that talks about awakening. And I believe that God is reawakening prodigals, reawakening his people. And this young lady, Amanda Cook, wrote this song, and um, it's rocked me. And uh, I know you guys are really wanting it to work, I know. And, and we're praying that it worked because I gave it to him last minute. But I want us to listen to the song, read the words, because I want us to come into belief with it. I want us to come into faith with it. And then I'm going to end in prayer, okay? All right. Maybe. Here we go. You can kick the lights too. Thanks. Stuck inside a house I built. Lock the doors and close the shutters.
This is my awakening. There's color now in everything. Color now in everything. This is our awakening. Those who are prodigals in our sleep, God's on you. He's awakening your heart. And he's waking up people all around and he's asking us to bring them into the harvest. So why don't you stand up? Appreciate your patience this morning. 
I wanna pray for two things. I wanna pray that the prodigals, that Jesus starts knocking on the door of their heart right now. Every lost brother, sister. And then I want, I'm also gonna pray that God would awaken us to see the harvest, the wheat with the heads bounce, like man, they're ripe for Jesus. So God, I just thank you. I thank you for your faithfulness to us. I thank you for your love for us. I thank you that we get so much value because of the value you've put on us. God, I thank you that you're assigning the real value of our worth. Lord, for those of us who are selling ourselves short, who are selling out for lesser things, Would you awaken them, all the lost prodigals, all our lost brothers and sisters, would you awaken them to what's available for them and that, and, and that they would know that they're underselling themselves, that they would know that, that being with the pigs is just not who they are and it's not what they're worth. And then Lord, would you send us older brother and sisters, would you send us out of the house would you send us into the fields? Would you send us into the bars? Would you send us into the, the other houses? Would you send us into the workplaces? Would you send us into the schools where we would find our brothers and sisters who just don't know you yet or who used to know you and didn't realize how great you were and say, it's not too late to come back. God, would you give us the boldness? Would you give us the faith? Would you give us the conviction? Would you commission us? to bring in the harvest, to show how much the Father loves them. God, I thank you in advance for the thousands of baptisms that are gonna be happening in this church. I thank you in advance for our whole families coming to Jesus. I thank you in advance for our siblings, our children, our parents, our aunts, our uncles, our cousins, the second cousins, I thank you for them all coming to know who you are. Lord, would you give us wisdom, discernment? Would you give us the words to be able to reach out in love and show them how much there's a better way of a father who loves them? Lord, we just thank you for your glory because you will get the glory in Jesus name amen bless you guys so excited for what God's doing in our church if you're visiting us we have a resource center uh, welcome center just stop by and say hi to one of the staff they'd love to say hi to you um, other than that we bless you if you need prayer come forward we, we can pray for you other than that we'll see you next week go birds Right.